0: Good morning, Summit Church. Good to see you this morning. We're just going to do a little sermon on family matters this morning. I wanted to show you that. Uh, those are commercials. You may have seen those on television recently, Jesus Gets Us. Gets us. It's a campaign started by a couple of businessmen that were tired of seeing um, America turning toward, against Jesus because he was... Um, he hated them or that Jesus judges them. And so uh, they've decided to uh, come up with a campaign to try to uh, show people that Jesus really does get us and he's for us and not against us. And so uh, you'll see those commercials from time to time and you're gonna see them on the Super Bowl next Sunday. There'll be a 30-second commercial and then they'll be followed up after the first quarter by an- another one-minute commercial, Jesus Gets Us, you looking for that because that's why you watch the Super Bowl right just for the commercials and you'll be looking at it. now the NFL has a rule that they don't allow any religious content to be advertised on the NFL game days but they were so impressed by the Jesus gets us campaign that they decided to let them in on the advertisers so that's good news right yeah well, we we'll encourage you to check out the small groups if you haven't already. You can go to the Connect Center, go online. We we're jumping in small group started last Sunday. We we're having a good time. Financial Peace actually meets here on Wednesday nights. And that's a great curriculum for those that want to get your finances together and back on track. And uh, we've seen lots of victories come from financial peace. So we're offering that. You don't have to pay for the materials for that. We, will, we have done that for you. And so it's a great treat. We all had almost 100 people here this Wednesday night trying to get their finances back on track. And we're thanking the Lord for that and excited for what he's doing. So uh, listen, I don't know if you heard about Jake Jake was um, 85, his wife, well not wife, uh, his fiance, Rebecca, 79, and they'd been dating and uh, they decided they were going to get married. And uh, so they were just all excited about this, they had a little conversation, and Jake said, well, why don't we just take a little walk and stroll downtown? And so she thought, oh, that's a great idea, so they started walking downtown, and talking about getting married, and all the details involved with that, and they were passing a drugstore, he said, hey. Let's stop into this drug. So he walks into the drugstore. Rebecca's following him. He says, hey, walks up to the counter, are you the the owner of this pharmacy? He said, absolutely. He said, I got a couple questions. He goes, sure. He goes, I want to know, do you sell heart medication? He goes, we do. He goes, what about uh, blood circulation medicine? Do you sell that? He said, absolutely. How about rheumatism and arthritis? Got any medicine for that? Oh, various kinds. Viagra? We got that too. How about heart medicine and things like that of that nature? Do you have uh, any medicines for your memories? He said, "Absolutely." What about sleeping pills? You got something like that? And for pain stuff too? He goes, "Absolutely." He said, "Well, that's perfect because we're going to get married. We're going to let people register right here at your pharmacy for our wedding gifts." (Laughter) <laughs> uh. We're going to talk about family matters. We're going to talk a little bit about family, a little bit about marriage. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about singles. We're going to talk a little bit for about guys, men, women in the marriage, but especially guys. So, guys, you're going to have to hold on your seatbelt this morning. You know, Valentine's is coming up, so I just want to let you know that as a heads up, so you're not caught off guard. But have you ever seen a couple and they just looked absolutely in love, and you thought, "Wow." I wonder how long they've been married, and I wonder what the secret of their marriage was. Maybe you've seen a couple out in a restaurant or whatever, and they're arguing and bickering and talking in a loud voice, and you're just like, what is happening? What's going on in their their marriage, their relationship? Have you ever been single, perhaps, and thought, I don't have a clue, and I don't have a chance at all in marriage because of all the devastation I've seen around me? Well, this morning I just want to bring some light onto some of that because I believe God wants us to have a good relationship in our family and in marriages as well. I was uh, had a roommate and, and uh, I, I was a youth pastor at a church in Mississippi. I had a roommate and he was going to the university there. And I'm telling you what, I had never met anyone in my life as focused as this guy was, my roommate. I mean, he was disciplined and focused. He was, if he wasn't, um, if he wasn't in class, he was studying. And the only time he wasn't studying and working and uh, trying to get that degree was when he went to church and he took Friday nights off and went to youth group with us. And uh, that was the only time he wasn't in school or doing schoolwork. I said, so him one day, I said, dude, you're a machine. You're a unit. Come on, that's my new word I got from the young people. You're a unit. <laughs> so young people older people are like, what is that? That's what exactly what I said. But um I said, You're you're incredible, man. Just the way you apply yourself and work so hard. I, I said, I just admire you. He goes, Well, thank you. I I I have a goal. I gotta get it done. I said, Yeah, I get it. And um I said, what about dating and things like that, relationships? You have? He goes, uh, there'll be a time for that after uh, college. I'm not, I got too much to do. I got blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't have time for some girl. I said, I got you. Right? Whatever, man. And uh, so, you know, about a month later, I'm, this, we've been together for a long time. And um, about a month later, I, I uh, got up to go to the office, and, and he ha. Uh, he wasn't there, and um, he actually hadn't been there all night, and I was, like, concerned for him. I like, was getting ready to walk out the door. He comes in the door, and his hair's all messed up, his bloodshot eyes. I said, man, what's up? What's, what, where have you been? What's going on? He goes, well, you know, that girl, um, she visited the church, and I took her home last night after church, and we got to talking so long, we just got so much in common. I, I just, I just, I'm just now getting to home. I'm like, oh, Wow. Well, okay. Now, this was totally out of character for him because he never even talked to a girl, never looked at a girl, and didn't even know if he knew what a girl was. And uh, the next night, the same thing. He was out all night, the third night. About a week later, I'm at the office, and my door's open, and he and this girl come walking by. I said, hey, what y'all doing? He goes, we're going to go meet with the pastor. I said, why are you doing that? He said, we're going to get married. Oh, you are. He goes, yeah. We're gonna go see if we can get. I said, when do you plan on getting married? He goes, in three weeks. I said, whoa, back it up, baby. He goes, what? I said, you just all met each other. You just met. He goes, oh, that's all right. I mean, we, we're in love. We're in love. I said, but, but you know, there's like a process. You can, there's more. It takes a while to really get to know someone. I think you're kind of rushing this little. Don't, JP, don't listen. I know what I'm doing. I, we're in love. In fact, it was crazy. We, we had a party over our house uh, a couple of days after that and um, all the youth were there and everybody was just, just having a good time, talking, laughing. And they were over there on the couch just literally staring at each other. No, no, I'm, I'm talking just stare, like face to face, just staring. No words, no talk, no, no like, like they were in a bubble all by themselves, I'm like, this is very awkward. It was very awkward. And um, I said to him, look, I really think, brother, you need to slow this down, you need to, look, I know what I'm doing. She loves me, I love her, that's all we need to know. I'm like, all right, I'm just saying. He says, thank you for caring, but I think I know what I'm doing. So they got married. Didn't come to church Sunday, didn't come the next week, didn't come two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I didn't see him for like three weeks. Didn't show up. I was very concerned, I didn't know how to find him. One day, I was driving down the road about three months later, and there he was walking on the sidewalk. I pulled over and yelled, hey, man, what's going on? And he was, because he'd been walking with his head down like this, and he saw me and he heard me. And uh, so he come over to the car, and he walked over, he put his head into the car, and he had three, like, like marks, like scratches down his, the whole length of his cheek. I, I said, man, did a cat get a hold of you? What's happened to your face? He hung his head, he goes, it's my wife. What in the world happened? Man, The woman's mean. <laughs> She's she, she mean, I didn't realize she was so mean. And I'm like, she did that to you? He goes, yeah man, she scratched me, she, she punches me, scratched me all the time. I said, okay, you know what I wanted to say, but I wasn't going there. I, wasn't, I wanted to say a whole lot of things, but I said, well, man, what's going on? He goes, man, you know, it's, it was the craziest thing. He says, you know, on the way out of town from on our honeymoon, we had just gotten married. It was an hour later or whatever, and we we just changed our clothes. We're now on the we're going up to Gatlinburg and on our honeymoon. I stopped to get some gas. I went inside to pay, come back out, I got in the door, got in the car, and she started hitting on me and screaming, not just yelling, screaming. And I said, why? He said, because she said that I looked at a girl on the way back from the going into pay to come back to the car. He said I, I, She said, I looked at a girl. I said, well, did you look at a girl? He goes, no, I didn't see no girl. I was just walking to my car. And he goes, it's been like that ever since. I said, he said, I can't even live. I have to walk around like, literally like this. That's why I didn't even know you drove by until you yelled at me. He, he says, my life is miserable. There's a reason why that happens. Proverbs 24, three through five. Through wisdom, a house is built. Everybody say wisdom. And by understanding, it is established. Say understanding. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Say knowledge. A successful marriage is not built on a word that starts with an S and ends with an X. A successful marriage isn't built even on love. A successful marriage isn't built on a good personality or good looks. A successful marriage is built on these three things. It's built on knowledge. It's built on understanding. It's built on wisdom, knowledge, and information that you've gained through experience and through study. You haven't entered into this thing lightly. You have some information about relationships. You have studied it and you have knowledge. And and you have understanding, the ability to comprehend. You, you you, You not only know some details and facts about relationships, but you've really comprehended. You have a comprehension of how interaction and interplay works with one another. And you have wisdom, the ability to apply this knowledge. That is what a successful family looks like. That's what a successful marriage looks like. It looks like wisdom, it looks like understanding, and it looks like knowledge. What I've observed is that most people enter into some kind of relationship and they have little knowledge or understanding, and much less wisdom, the ability to apply anything. In fact, you can go down to the DMV and and say, I wanna have a driver's license, I wanna start learn how to, I wanna start driving, and they're gonna go, well, you have to learn how to drive before you drive, and I'm thankful for that. I think some people I've seen drive need to go back and take another test. I think that they paid them off and you have to go through a test, you have to read a book, you have to go through, and then you have to drive with somebody, typically, and then they judge you and they grade you and all how you backed up and all these kind of things, and then, then, after you've done all that, you get a driver's license. You, know, you have people that, in this room, you've gone to 12 years of school, some have gone to trade school, some have gone to college, two, four more years of school, you've got all this training about what you're gonna do Uh, for eight hours a day, for 40 hours a week. But when it comes to relationships and marriage and interaction between family members, you've done little study. You, you, You really are just going blind. And as a result, your car lasts longer than the marriage. Or your career has lasted longer than the relationship because there was really little effort of wisdom, understanding, or knowledge <clears throat> before you entered in. Now, here's the good news. You may have messed up. You may have made some mistakes. We all have. But that doesn't keep you from now saying, I am going to know everything there is about relationships. i my, my office, I've got like bookshelves full of just marriage books, relationship books, and guess when guess I bought them all? Before I got married. And now I've added to it. I don't think anyone should ever write a marriage book that hasn't been married. Come on, somebody. No one should even write a book on how to raise kids until they've got five or 10. When you read that book, when you get a book about how to raise kids and you look in the back and it doesn't have, they don't have any kids, you just throw that thing away because that's not even worth the money it's printed on. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's about knowledge. Your relationship's messed up because of a lack of knowledge. Your husband is not crazy, he's just dumb, okay? He just doesn't have uh, knowledge. And, uh, And ladies don't laugh because, listen men, your wife's not a lunatic, she just lacks understanding and knowledge. You think that woman's crazy, no. She just lacks knowledge. If we have the right knowledge, if we have the right understanding and we add wisdom to it, it's amazing how relationships can be. It can be the most beautiful thing you've ever experienced in your world. Wisdom is the principal thing. Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Let me just give a a little plug, an innocent plug to Authentic Manhood. Uh, 33 series, 33 after the... Number of years Jesus lived, 33. And we have it, I think, on Thursday nights, and um, we, uh, it's a, it's a, I've, I've searched the world over and thought, I found men's curriculum. <laughs> and I have found nothing compared to that one. It is incredible, men. I'm telling you, you should be involved. You should get involved in that. If you haven't, you're wondering about. I don't have a small group I've gotten involved with yet. You need to check that one out. It is amazing. It will teach you how to be a man. It will teach you how to be a husband. It will teach you how to be a father, and it will teach you how to look back at even your past and kind of delve through stuff. Enough about that, but you need to check that out because wisdom is the principal thing. And how do you get this wisdom? How do you get this knowledge? How do you get this understanding? Everybody say, it's right here in the manual. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, have you opened your manual lately? <laughs> Isn't it interesting when you go to buy an appliance or some toaster or whatever, you know, you, you open up the box and there's this little package right on the top. And if you're a real man, you never look at it. You throw it in as far as you can away, I don't need that thing. I can put this thing together. It's just a slide, for crying out loud. It's, it's just a dollhouse. Come on. <laughs> it's just a, a bookshelf. I opened it. I put, put a bookshelf together. Uh, one day I bought it. Bookshelf. Um, it said, 12 easy steps. I'm like, oh, I got this. You only need a Phillips screwdriver and, and a hammer. I'm like, Who can, I can do this with my eyes closed. Through that thing, I started out. I went and tried to find that thing after a few minutes. I got that thing. I I made it about step six. I was breezing all in about 10 minutes. I'm like, man, this is no, I'm going to be done with this in five, 10 more minutes. Four hours later, a bookshelf. I put it up fine. I was so happy. It was about two in the morning. I put it up only to see that the the top shelf was upside down. You know what, I never changed it. It was like that for the whole rest of my, rest time owned it. But we, 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 study, we study the manual. Why do we study the manual? Because the, the owner or the per- person that created the machine, or you, knows how you are supposed to function. He knows how relationships are supposed to look. And he understands that it works so well that he will even give you a warranty and a guarantee that this thing is going to work right. God gives you a warranty and a guarantee. A warranty, a promise that if you think something's wrong with this, you can come back to me, the dealer, at any time and I'll show you how to get it fixed. And I'll, show, and I'll give you a guarantee that this product is a quality project. It's a guaranteed product. The only thing I won't help you on is if you go to an unauthorized dealer, I'm not gonna help you out. You're on your own. How many of a lot of people have messed up relationships and they're going to unauthorized dealers trying to get it fixed? How many you know what a you know what a bartender is? He's nothing more than an unsaved pastor. That's all he is. Yes. I don't know, George. You want another one? Okay. And he just loves all these people. He doesn't even know he's a, he's a pastor. You got, you got to go to the word, the manual. You got to go to place, to the church, the body of Christ. You got to go to believers. And you got to go to, and get wisdom and knowledge and insights. And this thing will work. I promise you it will work. Let me real quickly give you four lessons From the very first marriage that was ever, um, the first wedding, the first marriage, the first we we have in the Bible is Genesis chapter two. Four lessons from the very first marriage. The first thing that God made and God gave man, the first thing man ever got from God was his presence. This is number one. The first thing God gave man was his presence. Genesis 2 verse eight and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. The word Eden, an interesting word, it literally means a delightful spot, an open door. Think don't think place, think environment like we were singing this morning. The Lord's not looking just to, to come and, and do something. Here, he's doing something here. When Adam was in the garden, he was in the presence of God, the environment of God. That's what Eden was all about. It was being in the presence of God. Crazy things happen when you're in the presence of God. I mean, Eve was nowhere to be found. She hadn't even been created yet. God, it was God and Adam together, having fellowship, having pleasure, having intimacy in the garden, And the woman would meet the man later. And where would the woman meet the man? In Eden, what is Eden? The presence of God. So ladies, single ladies in the house, where are you gonna go find your man? Where the man is, where's the man? In the presence of God. Don't go be looking for your man out in the bushes. So I'm beating the bushes, looking for my man. No, your man's not in the bushes. Your man's in the presence of God. Well, I'm glad somebody's happy this morning. Come on. And if he's not in the presence of God, you don't need that man. How's that man going to help you? There's a man, there's a man. <laughs> It's it's, it's, cra- it's, it's, it's it's insane where people go to find a mate. I mean, <laughs> they'll go all these crazy places, and they got their eye looking at, and, and, and you think you're talking, they're having a conversation with you, they're not, even, they're not even paying attention but you, they're looking, got their eyes looking, looking for somebody else out there, somebody that's got gonna make them happy one day. And 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 yet their 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 hunt, their scouting, uh, adventure will come up empty because the the guy and the woman you're looking for is in the presence of God, knowing God's voice, knowing God's presence, knowing and being changed into the image of Christ. That's where your man's at. I, I was I was a, I was a young adult pastor in Baltimore, and uh, and and I felt very responsible for these young adults that. You know, I was pastoring, and I, you know, I took it personal, you know, when, uh, like the Bible talks about wolves and sheep's clothing and stuff like that would come, and so I I was uh, kind of helped lead in worship once, uh, one night during our service time, and I saw this guy walk in, never seen the guy before, we had a pretty big group of of young adults, and uh, he walked in the back, and he was standing there, and he was like this, looking all around, he went, everybody else in the room is like this, you know, loving God, singing. He's like this, you know, just looking around. And the Lord told him, the Lord spoke to my heart. I said, that's a wolf. That's a wolf, man. So uh, I come up to him after the service. I said, hey, what's up? What's your name? And they told me. I said, man, glad to have you. And he said out of his own, I said, "How? What, you know, what made you come here? And he said out of his mouth, I'm looking for me a pretty chick. Chick, you don't know what those are the chicks. That's like girls, girls, female units. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that's fire. That's fire right there. <laughs> uh, and I said, "Well, I tell you what, sir. You're not going to find her here. She's not here." He goes. What well, he makes? He goes. Look, I've, there's some pretty good-looking ch- girls here. I go. But yeah, but you're not going to be have anything to do with them because you got a, a, a wrong heart. And if you want Jesus, we're all about it. If you want God, we're all about it. Come on anytime. time. But until you get a heart change, you're not welcome here. So I don't want to see you again. I don't know if that was right or wrong, but just what I felt at the time. And and uh, he he didn't really come back. But but. Number two, here's what here's 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 what you have to understand: that that work comes before marriage. Work comes before marriage. Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen: The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to play in it. We only have one person that says work. Are y'all reading this thing? Do we? Do you? you know, there's a reason why we put this up here. Why did God put him in the garden? One more time. He put him in the garden to work the garden. In other words, ladies, the man you're looking for, he needs a job before he needs you. You just need to ask him. When he asks you out for a date, you need to ask him where he works. And he's not out of bounds to ask him how much. Or how long. Because God put man in the garden to work the garden. He had to learn before he could even have a relationship that was coming down the pipe. He had to know and learn how to work. And it's interesting to me, I think most all of us could say at some point, if you've ever had a relationship, that you put a lot of work into that relationship. If you're married, you put a lot of work into that relationship before you ever got married. I mean, come on, guys! I mean, you—you—you you, you never washed your car once until you started asking that girl out. You even vacuumed it out. You put one of them little Christmas trees in there, you know, on the on the mirror. And you, and she said, "Yeah, I'll go out." And so what'd you do? You went to the gym and tried to get a pump on real quick, you know, try to get all buffed up. The dirty secret, I. So actually what I did before I picked Melissa up. I would go to the gym real quick and get, get all buffed up. And I'd pick her up, put a little tight shirt on. Come on, somebody. I had to work it, because it'll work if you work it. I put the work in, I put the I put the labor in, and and, and then I then I would write her some cards, I would write her letters, I would write her letters like religiously, because we lived far apart at that time. I wrote letters, man, and and she would write letters back and she would put like she did this, she I actually kept them, she doesn't know this, but I kept it. She even did a couple of letters, she put like lipstick on and kissed and sealed the letter. And then one time she really got me because she dabbed some perfume on it. When the lipstick, I'm like, I'm sleeping with a letter. Come on, somebody. I'm sleeping with an envelope under my pillow. Pull it out every once in a while. Whoo, I miss you, baby. She was working me. And I was working her. Oh yeah, man, when she flew up, I flew her up to Baltimore to visit and she stayed with a couple of deacons, but I'd go pick her up at the deacon's house and, and, I, and, and, and I, would, I would have that cars cleaned up and I had a little gift for it, and I had flowers for it, all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and I learned that, you know, if you want something, you work. Ladies, you, you did the same thing. Don't talk to me like you did. You, you, you started wearing makeup when that guy asked you out. You fixed your hair up. You finally took that little rubber band that my wife calls a hairdo and you took it out and you actually curled it up and, and you did some things. You started you start exercising a little bit, started dressing up and buying some new clothes and, and you, you're working because you, you love to, you you want a relationship with this guy. You, you got to learn how to work. But what's happened? Now that you got the relationship, now that you got the woman, now that you got the man, now you're like, okay, I'm done working. Wait, when and where in Bible the Bible does it say once you get married, you stop working. Is right. tight, but is right? <laughs> you never stop working. You never stop the cars need to keep coming. I I know one guy, I'm sad to say I don't do this, but every. He he finally died. (laughs) Let me finish the story, okay? (laughs) Okay, there's a story here. Hold on. They had a long marriage. Eventually he died. And while we were talking about her husband who had died, she brought out like this box of nothing but uh, sticky notes. And every morning before he went to work, he would write a sticky note of a, a love note and put it on, his, on, the, on the kitchen table for his wife to see. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a man that's working the relationship. You have to work. You have to continue to work. And God told Adam, he says, I want, I want you to take this garden. I want you to learn how to cultivate it. What do you mean? What does that mean? I want you to learn how, Adam, to take what I've given you and make it better. I want you to work it. Because if you don't work it, it's just going to fall apart. So I want you to take the, the, the resources that I've laid in front of you, and I want you to breathe into it and work it and make it even better. And I want you to know, man, God's not going. To, if you're single, guys, God's not going to give you a finished product. He's going to give you something you're going to have to cultivate. The only finished project, finished uh, perfect, finished prod, product woman, is in your head. It doesn't exist. And ladies, that man doesn't exist either. You have to cultivate and make this woman even better than what she is. The, the man's job is to take the raw material that God gives you and for him to build her. Come on. You gotta build her. You, you gotta, you gotta. Cheer her on. you got to find out where her weaknesses are and where her strengths are and breathe into those strengths and open the doors and allow her to begin to walk into those places that God's purpose for her, but, but you're helping her because you're, you're cultivating this relationship. And the same woman with the men. Quit tearing the man down. Quit telling him about all the wrong things he's doing, how short he, miss the shortcomings he has, and quit quit nagging him. Please, please, please quit nagging the man. He heard you. He really did. The first time, thousand times ago. But if you will, as one person said, if you will, if you will speak to him what you want him to be, if you if you speak into him the way you want him to be, he'll become what you want him to be. Yeah. Honey, I love it when you I love it when you just clean up around the house. He's like did I clean up around the house? I don't remember cleaning up around the house. But you put that seat in there. She loved it when I did that. I, I must have done it and didn't know it. I, I'm going to pick my socks up. Maybe she, maybe, she'll ride like that too. Come on, somebody. You got to cultivate it. Yeah, man, you got you to gotta lean in and help her. Yeah, Listen. Take her to Dillard's. Say, buy you some a new dress. Buy you what, whatever you want. Blow her away. You know, show up with a with a gift card for her nails to get done, and then pick her up off the floor. <laughs> Kiss her on the cheek. Kiss her on the lip. Give him a luscious long one. <laughs> Let her know she's the greatest thing that's ever happened since sliced bread, man. It's amazing what. Because here's the deal, love is not a feeling opposite of what Hollywood would like to tell you. Love is an action, and love always follows the right actions. For God so loved the world that he felt like doing something. No, he loved the world, so he gave his only begotten. It's an action. Love is an action. Well, I don't love him anymore. Well, it's because you haven't been doing the right things. It's amazing. I'm I'm gonna give you a little challenge, here you go. This is free, you don't even even cost you nothing. I challenge you to go to Walmart, wherever you wanna go, and go to the card section, and look at all the cards for your wife, if you're married, or your girlfriend, whatever, guys. You look in that card, and you start looking at those cards, you purchase a card, and something happens inside of you. I'm telling you, it happens. You could you could be having an argument. I know this to be true because I've done this. Okay, I know what I'm talking about. You could be like fussing at each other, having intense times of fellowship, if you would, whatever you want to call it. You go to Walmart, pick you up a card, buy it, and on your way home, you're like, you know, I, I probably should apologize for what I. I she's a good woman or he's a good man. It's amazing. love always follows. An action. Number three, men must know how to guard before they're ready for marriage. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. That word keep is the word to guard. He put the man to guard to protect the garden. In other words, God made man stronger not so he could abuse the woman, but, but he, so he could protect the woman. The word keep means to treasure up as well. And the last thing that God told Adam was don't eat the fruit of the tree. But, but here's what, what happened. Adam dropped the ball and didn't communicate that to his wife because his wife hadn't even come along yet. She hadn't even been made. God tells Adam, you can have any tree you want, but you can't have that one. And then a little later, here comes the woman. And he forgot a very vital piece of information. Oh, by the way, sweetheart, we can eat anything around here, but we can't eat from that one right there. As far as we know, she was never told this by Adam. When you protect something, you're also communicating with that person, vital pieces of information. In his job, Adam was to hear from God, and then when she was created, to begin to communicate to her what God was saying. Then your job, is to be the priest of the home. To what's a priest? The person that hears from God in behalf of the family. Your wife should be able to say, at any point, sweetheart, what's the Lord saying to us? And you should not be this like, uh, is God saying something to us? I don't, I don't know. Does God talk? I don't know. I, You should be able to articulate to your wife, here's what God is saying to us. I can't tell you how many counseling sessions I've been in with people the wife, the husband, sitting across my desk. And I would, sweetheart, what seems to be the problem? He just doesn't take any leadership in the home, he's a passive husband. He will not help me discipline the kids. He will not help me make financial decisions. He will not communicate to me anything that he's thinking about anything. He just drops, he just lives in my house, our house, and just does this all the time. Just does this with his thumb. He doesn't communicate with me. Doesn't pray with me, doesn't pray with the family. I would say to the man, is this true, sir? Well, if she says so, I guess. I guess so, I don't know. The passive man is the ill of our community and our society. God didn't create the man to be the man to let the woman do all the stuff. You gotta take your role and hear it from the Lord and lead the family. And number four, lastly, man is ready for marriage once he is full of God. Once he is full of God, then he's ready for marriage. So God, being all love, creates man. And he looks at man and says, okay, now all of me is now in man. I've loved, I've loved, I've loved. Now, he needs something to love for love to be fulfilled because love isn't love unless love has an object. So he puts Adam to sleep. He creates, pulls the female part of Adam out, leaves Adam with the male part. And then the Bible says he comes and he presents her to, 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 to the man. The Bible says that he literally builds her. God, 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 God made her. God created man, but he made the woman. He took his time and he built her and made her. And, and and then he. the Bible says he wakes up Adam and Adam's got sleep in his eyes and he's just trying to wake up from this dream that God had put him in. And he wakes up and he sees this incredible thing in front of him. He's like, whoa, what is happening? And, and the Bible says that God presented her to, in, in other words, he pr- paraded her in front of him. In other words, she's like doing the modeling thing, you know? You know how women do with a leg up like and he's like Whoa man! And that's how we get the word woman right there. Whoa man. Now that part's not true, but the other part was. And and as soon as Adam saw Eve, guess what he did? He just started talking. He just couldn't talk he couldn't stop talking. He's like, oh my God, uh, this this she's bone of my bone. She's she's flesh of my flesh. She she shall be called woman because she has been taken out of man. And therefore man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Oh, blah 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 blah. He's like communicating like crazy this man is. Because, because why? Because this man had finally become full of God and was waiting all this time for an object that he could love like God had loved him. Finally, he finds this woman almost like him, bone to bone, structure of structure, flesh like his. And he goes, oh my goodness, I can't wait, Miss Eve, to spend some time with you and just love you like God's loved me. Yeah, that's how it happened. And then he says, interesting, uh, man, you might want to come. It's interesting to me that Adam says, This is why a man will leave his father and mother. And he didn't even say anything about the woman. It doesn't say, And for this reason, a woman will leave a father and mother. It just says, The man. That's why when you go to a wedding, there's a man up there at the front waiting by himself. He's waiting for her to come, and he's hoping that she will. He's looking, the music is playing, everybody's there, and he's like, okay, are those doors gonna open? Finally, the door's open, his heart is, oh. And here she comes, walking with daddy. The word Adam, uh, Adam used here, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother. That word father is the word Abba father, which also means your source, your source, your gener- your producer, your sustainer. And so here comes your future soon-to-be wife walking with father. Up until this point, her source, her, her provider, and he's bringing her to you. She walks down to you, sir, and He kisses her on the cheek, and he presents her to you, and now... He is basically, exchange- He says, basically, he sits in the seat, and basically, what he is saying is, I have been her provider up until now. I have been her father up until now, and now I give her to you, and you shall be her provider. You shall be her sustainer. You will be, in a sense, her daddy in some ways. It proves out because I'm a grand, a great grandfather. I'm a grandfather now, not a great one yet, but a grandfather. And and but even when our kids were small, I went from being honey to daddy. In my wife's language, she would say, Daddy, come here. And she was talking to me. But she stayed baby to me. (laughs) I've kept her baby and I'm now Daddy. The point is that God brings this woman to you, man, in order for you to provide for her, take care of her, just like her dad did before you came along. And so here's what I say to the singles in the house: If a, if some guy comes and says, "Hey, listen, I I'd like to take you out on it on a date," here's how you respond: Okay. First, I have to ask you a few questions, sir. Okay, what? Do you have a job? And how much money do you make? (laughs) And how long have you had the job? How many jobs have you had in the last year? That's a legitimate question to ask. And the second thing you need to ask is, sir, can you improve this? Can you improve who I am? Can you take this and and cultivate it and make it even better, or you just want something on your on your hand on your on your wrist to walk beside you. And there's and another question you said, and sir, can I ask you this, can you protect this? Do you have a job? Can you cultivate this and can you protect this? And lastly, here's my last question for you, sir, before we go out on a date. How you answer these questions determines, can you teach me the Word of God? And do you know what the presence of God is like? Sir, if you don't know what the presence of God is like and you can't teach me the Word, I'm not sure we have anything in common. I'm just gonna go to the house of the Lord and I'm just gonna keep worshiping the Lord, This is just as He's asked me to worship. And I know I'll wait on Him and if I wait on Him, He'll provide, He'll give me what I need in time. Amen? Yeah, that's good. That's good, JP, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. I have the prayer teams come, stand in the front. Just a little teaching today not really preaching, a little teaching. We'll do a new series next week. I'm excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if you're here today and you need prayer for anything, it's amazing how many prayer requests we get and how many needs there are. I mean, We'd love to pray with you right here. Our prayer teams are here to stand with you, to, to pray with you and to love on you. If you're here this morning and You've never invited Jesus into your heart, then can I just say this, that it all starts there. Every relationship has to start with Jesus. It has to start with Jesus. And so our invitation to you this morning is that you would make Jesus the Lord of your life. Again, if you invite Jesus in your heart, we'd love to pray with you. And In fact, after service is over, we have a Bible to give you, some materials to give you, and things like that. So bless you. Thank you. Lastly, this morning, I just want to say a prayer for all of us. Relationships are so important and doing them well can be tricky. But we have the knowledge and we have the insights. We have the understanding and we have the wisdom. We can have incredible relationships, or can we, we can have miserable ones. It's really our choice. So this morning, I'd like to pray with you. And so if you wouldn't mind standing with me as we get ready to dismiss, let me just say a prayer for all of us. In fact, I'd love for you to just reach over and touch the person on your left or right, put your hand on their shoulder. Or if you're married, hold their hand or something like that maybe. Uh, this would be a great opportunity Single guys in the house to grab that girl's hand. Come on. Girl, don't grab his hand if you don't have a job. Come on. I'm playing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for relationships. We thank you for family. We thank you that you teach us how to lay down our lives for one another, just as Jesus, you laid down your life for the church. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and convict us when we're talking wrong or with a bad attitude or a wrong tone. Convict us, Holy Spirit, when we're out of line and we're not patient and long-suffering. Forgive us, Holy Spirit, for grieving you so many times the way we've dealt with our sons or daughters or children. And thank you, Lord, that you're helping us become strong families so as the family goes the community, as goes our nation. And we thank you, Father, for allowing us to serve you and walk with you in love. Yeah. Thank you for hearing this prayer this morning. The last thing I'm going to say this, and we're done praying. I'll just say this. The reason the enemy hates marriages and good relationships is because it's a beautiful, a good marriage is the perfect picture of God in the earth. So anytime there's a good marriage, anytime you, if you're in a relationship, you're moving together and you're really trying to to love each other as Christ loves us. You expect opposition, the enemy comes in because he hates to see a good marriage because when people see a good marriage, they see God. Two people becoming one, looking like God. So Father, encourage us, hang in there to do the hard work. Thank you for being with us in our family on a drive home. In our homes this afternoon, tonight, this week. And we bless you for turning this thing around. In Jesus' name, amen. And if we keep God some praise, can you do that? Come on now. Amen. God bless you.